This is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs Dispatch, the monthly Q&A listener response episode announcement topic prompt podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we should probably, there should be a quicker way to sell these. Reached ships. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe a pound and a half of Black Forest ham. Um, yeah. yeah. No, uh, this is, like Gary said, we're going to be uh, doing doing the Q&A, the topic, and then we're going to be uh, reading a response about March's games. Hard to believe this This is the same month that we uh, did Trauma Center in. Um, the Trauma Center feels very long ago. It does. Fortunately, nobody wrote in about it. So. Oh. <laughs> it seems unfortunate to me. That it is pretty unfortunate, yeah. actually, but I don't have to remember yeah. anything about Trauma Center. <laughs> Somebody didn't, uh, nobody wrote in uh, a listener response, but somebody on the Patreon did say that there is a series that takes that seriously. Is there? Um, I yeah, should go a, look at a, that. Like a trauma team or something. It's not, well, it's not, that's a, that's a trauma center. Right, right. Uh, knockoff. There, there, I can't remember the name of it, but there is another surgery game that is like a non-sci-fi blasting space invaders. Right. Version. It's like a serious sur- surgeon simulator. Um, that is insurgent simulator. Right. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so they didn't write in, but they're there in spirit. Um, yeah, <laughs> we, I'll men- go ahead and... we mentioned trauma center. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We did. Yeah. Uh, the, that game was a fun episode to record about. It was. And, and inter- an interesting game. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go ahead and get started here with a non, uh, question that is just nice. This is going to be like when Homer and Marge go to the PTA and Homer takes all of Lisa's. Uh-huh. And you take all of Bart's teachers. <laughs> uh, Joseph says, uh, kind of disappointed I don't have anything to really ask. So I'll just say uh, to both of you, uh, let you guys know that your show, uh, I enjoy your show, listen to your episodes almost every day. And yes, that means I re-listen episodes. Thanks for all the hard work. Uh, thank you. We don't usually include stuff like that in this show. Yeah. Uh, Everything to Guppy is the, the show where we include all the reviews and Days of Future Cast will do positive feedback. Mm-hmm. But uh, on this one, we usually don't. But thank you, Joseph. Yeah. Appreciate you. Thank you. It's nice to it's nice to throw one of those in. Just uh, just 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 something for us. And I didn't want to ignore the feedback. It was right in there. Yeah. And a bunch of the other questions uh, are, who do you think you are and how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this this month so we just wanted to balance the scales a little bit yeah just you buffoon uh how much do you weigh (laughs) like just just really really mean stuff (laughs) like we're your parents cousins like yeah it's not good Uh uh-huh yeah we we we, we brush past that because we're fragile we're fragile fragile human beings Mm-hmm. <laughs> um i'll get us started here i'm going to abbreviate this question uh just a little bit uh but matt uh starting here with, uh, with some game questions says each year when a new call of duty or something like that comes out i can't help but feel a certain amount of revulsion at the setting these games take place in i feel modern conflicts don't have a place in video games or media at all for that matter uh, comes across like an unsubtle propaganda, and millions of people eat it up. 
uh, they go on to say that there are actual victims of these conflicts. And we are being asked to pretend to shoot scores of people without blinking an eye. Um, so uh, what do we think about the fact that uh, these games come out based on real uh, based on real ass stuff and they, they gets well reviewed because the shooting is a nine out of ten? I, the, the fact that it gets well reviewed doesn't bother me. Right. Um, because, you know, that this is, you know, I've talked a lot about the difference between like a critic having problems with elements of the industry versus a specific game. Yeah. Know? So, like, if I read a review of Call of Duty, uh, you know, Sandstorm 2000 or whatever the newest one is, <laughs> and the, um, and uh, it spends most of the time talking about this subject. I don't think like it's not Call of Duty 10's fault that this is the industry. Yeah. You know? uh, so I don't have a problem with it being a review thing, but I do think this sucks about the industry. Like I do mm-hmm. think that, you know, having uh, games, you know, that, that not, you know, who, which even trivializes the wrong word, greatly simplify. Yes. Uh, you know, these, these real life geopolitical things um, and politicize them explicitly, mm-hmm. uh, you know, put them through a lens presented as objective when it is, you know, generally like pretty American or Eurocentric, yeah, uh, and it's thinking. I think that does uh, suck balls. Mm-hmm. Um, not the good kind you know, of sucking balls either. No, no, not a consensual ball suck. Yeah, like just like a like like a like you got caught in a pool. Yeah, you know, like you're trying to fuck a pool, <laughs> yeah. uh, swimming pool. Yeah, not yeah. not a Tim pool. Uh, even that yeah. would be shameful as well. That would uh, also be that would also be horrible. Yeah. Um. Don't. But yeah, I, I think I think it 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 blows, and it's it's also gross. Like we I think we talked about this uh, a bit when we talked about um, Spec Ops. Yeah. The line, which is kind of a critique of this, you know, like characters get sent in all like oorah, and then find out there's a lot that they don't know, and the situation mm-hmm. is more complex, and you're punished for it over the course of seven hours. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I think that uh, like you can do games about modern conflict if you want to say something other than, you know, oorah. Other than shit. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, part of what this question's getting at is like cultural criticism versus product criticism, I think. Yeah. Talking about the broader role of, you know, these games that, you know, are, do glorify war or are pr- funded propaganda, you know, um, you know, t- talking about those is different than talking about the, the actual kind of thing itself. That said, I, I feel like it's worth at least mentioning like, yeah, I should probably think about what this is doing by, by, by being out there. There's the fact that, you know, Call of Duty as kind of the banner the banner version of this has been shying away from anything like even resembling modern conflict. You know, they went vague. a couple space ones. Yeah. Like they, they went yeah. vaguely into the future, like about the time it became like, you know, less fashionable. And then they're also doing the, you know, black ops and stuff like that, which has its own problems. Like when you're taking missions from, you know ronald reagan and going to latin america there are probably some real questions that you should you should be asking like just because that took place you know 50 to 40 years ago doesn't mean it doesn't still relate to like prop you know problematic shit that goes on today sorry for using the p word there but it kind of went there immediately (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know yeah just it just it was the the, it was what came out when i thought of uh, what that is 
Yeah, so like it kind of dances with it, but it's not been a thing and, and until that studio revived fucking six days in Fallujah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Which I'm sure is going to be, you know, uh, a, a quick mute on Twitter for me. Oh um, yeah, because you know if uh, the the and and just to, to clarify my position, like I am pro cultural criticism. Yes. Um, I just I like them separated. Yes. You know, like I want to read really long, thoughtful, well-researched think pieces about mm. this aspect of the games industry and the way that video games romanticize Western adventurism. Yeah. And I also want to read about if, you know, if I choose to, you know, check it out, I want to mm -hmm. see also if the shooting is good. Yeah. I think they both count. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I just don't uh, I just don't want one to overshadow the other. Right. Um, um, I don't know. We talked about it in the trauma center episode. I, what I would like to see is, a, you know, a game where you're working as an aid worker, working as a combat medic, you know, yeah. make me, you know, maybe one of the white helmets in, uh, in, in, uh, uh, oh, Syria, you know, this is just another way for you to try to get mash the game. <laughs> God damn it. Sorry. You, 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 you discovered you, it, dude. Yeah, you, can't, you can't stop pushing for your mash game. Um, <laughs> Or, you know, like, I, I, I like this game a lot. I, I don't talk about it tons, but I do like it a lot. Uh, this War of Mine is a great war game. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Uh, also. Yeah, that, that the, game like, rules. I, I feel like that's that does that does a really good job of, mm -hmm. you know, what war is about, which is it's fucking horrible. Yeah. Yeah. No, just to, like the, 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 the heroes are not the main are not the main focus. It's all of the victims, you know? Yeah. Ugh. Uh, moving on. Uh, Cinderelf. Uh, says, if you end up including my response to Outer Wilds this month, you'll see that I did at one point really enjoy my time with the game, but during the end game of that, when I was all set to travel to the Eye of the Universe, I burned out completely trying to get the trophy for landing your ship on the solar station. I got so tired of the game, I uninstalled it and watched the ending on YouTube, even though I'd have no problem finishing it at th this point. I realize this is partly my fault for trying to get that trophy at all, but I uh, a lot of trophies help you find fun new things to do in games. This one led to me attempting to do something only YouTube trick boys uh, <laughs> should be trying to do. <laughs> kind of like YouTube trick boys. Um, instead of focusing on the things that make the game great, like exploration and reasoning. So my mm -hmm. question is, do you have any experience with the game's outer or inner reward system leading you wrong? Um, I get I get hung up on self-imposed challenge stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, very rarely is it driven by, or like actually never driven by an achievement. If I could never see an achievement again, I would, you know, I'd take that. I'm pretty that, good at ignoring those. Yeah. Chip upgrade. But like, I will do things like, you know, if I'm playing, uh, like when I played fallout four, I got to, there's a, a quarry with a death claw and I'm like, I'm not supposed to fight this yet, but I have a bunch of Nuka Cola mines and, mm -hmm. and some, some weird random shit. I bet you I can kill it and spent a long time killing it. Um, and then got random level loot. Yeah, you know, for it and it and it blew. Um, so that's kind of the closest thing. Like, mm -hmm. really. yeah, uh, I don't have a story about this. I'm pretty good at uh, at let's say ignoring this, even if like a quest looks like it's going to be pretty boring. I'm not gonna. I, I probably won't do it if it's like go and find, go and do the scavenger hunt, like that kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. Usually, the, the thing that gets me hung up is not a reward structure. It is. Oh, well, it should work this way. And me very stubbornly trying to make it work the way that I think that it should. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been, that's come up a lot in real life for me. And <laughs> I came up with one of those like really good uh, relational metaphors that 
uh, doesn't translate very well. Like it's not uh -huh. useful. Okay. But whenever I think of that problem, I think about me and my, all my friend group in high school got really into playing Boggle for a little while. Okay. Peggy Hill. All right. It was, it was very Peggy Hill. <laughs> um, and I, I'm not really good at those kind of word games. Like mm -hmm. I'm, you know, if it's about definition, if it's about meaning, I can fucking slay, like I can do password yeah. or taboo. Oh, you balder, know, balderdash, level. fucking balderdash, man. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can, you know, Olympic level, but I can't yeah. do things about, uh, spelling, mm -hmm. you know, basically. So Scrabble and, and Boggle, I'm not good at. And the problem, the reason why I'm bad at Boggle is I will boggle. see a really cool word. Okay. You know, and I'll be missing one letter and I will just keep trying to make that fucking word. <laughs> like going through different orders, trying to do it. And I will just run out the fucking clock, like trying to make, you know, discipline yeah. without finding a, you know, disc or like, a, you know, uh, a million other words that would be in there that would give me mm -hmm. more points. Yeah. Now, what's a xylophone, Gary? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Like, oh, but what's, if somebody gets out the dictionary when they're doing that game, you stop playing with them. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, you, you never let them get into your house again. Yeah, so if you go into a, a date and there's like, let's say you, you have a choice between two dates and one of them has Atlas Shrugged and one of them has the Scrabble Dictionary, <laughs> like that's a real fucking toss-up because those are two very different problems with people. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. man <laughs> that, that, that is a good not yeah it's a, like the attractive nuisances of the ought to be let's say yes yeah i don't know <laughs> it's just not that into you you know it'd be great if this word existed it just doesn't so time to yeah. deal with the reality that exists oh yeah. all goes back to the lord's prayer like, <laughs> we do not concern ourselves with what ought to be we simply thrive yeah. in what is um yep yeah uh andrew says feel better gary and hopefully cole doesn't have any health problems either either i'm doing okay gary do you have an update mm -hmm. for the for the fans i'm at about 90 percent. cool uh controllers are good the mouse is still difficult for me mm -hmm. and every once in a while i'll do something like um i don't know how relatable this is but my blanket had slipped off my feet and rather than like sitting up like a person and putting it over there i tried to like toss it you're right, right. You know, I don't know if anybody ever does that. And mm -hmm. that like activated classic pain. I was like, oh, mm. oh, yeah, I'm still, yeah, I'm still doing a thing. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, Andrew continues I've been replaying Sekiro, and I am convinced that the Makiri counter is the best parry in games. What are your favorite parries? Are there any that match up to modern FromSoft games? Um, I'm a big fan of what happens in Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Mm. I love that directional parry, Gary. Yeah, that is a, that is a good parry, Gary. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I uh, you know I like a parry, but I'm not as parry driven mm -hmm. as like uh, a lot of folks. So like the Souls game ones are my my parries. Yeah, uh, the Probably. parry in uh, Demon Souls the remake is really good. They they fucking yeah, hammer can... that sound effect. <laughs> they uh, they hammer the sound effect and the uh, backstab and parry animations that they up the brutality. Mm -hmm. And that was already the most brutal. Yes. You know, I feel like. Uh, so I've been really, really enjoying those. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm just not as, as driven by uh, by a parry. I like a parry. Mm -hmm. more, at, at heart, I am a dodge boy. Yeah. You know? Dodges are good. So, you know, you get Witcher 3, two different kinds of dodges. That's great. You yeah. know, or like uh, Bayonetta, like I like that perfect dodge. Yeah. You know, I, I am I am much more driven by a dodge than I am a parry. Mm-hmm. Uh, which probably explains part of my coolness on Sekiro in general. Yeah. Um, the Makiri counter is good. My 
quibbles with that are all structural. Like that should have been included from the start. And I mm-hmm. think there should be a unique kanji for it yes. rather than there just being an all purpose danger kanji. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are more design quibbles than like, you know, the game feel of the McCary is really good. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Darren asks, I just finished playing through Doom Eternal and I, and it committed one of my cardinal gaming sins. The sequel doesn't take itself as seriously as the first game did. The first game had comedy to it, uh, but there were moments of levity during the frantic experience of ending a demonic apocalypse brought on by a terminal case of capitalism. Another title that managed this was Prototype. The first game felt like it was at least attempting uh, to balance the fantastic superpowers with the anchored presentation of New York and the military. The second had soldiers in over high, oversized blinking armor and armed with G.I. Joe rocket launchers. So two questions. Pick one. Ooh. Hmm. Um, what games have you felt let you down in the sequel and what are your cardinal game dev sins that sour you on an experience? Yeah. Um, Um, (laughs) letting you down in a sequel is tough because Dragon Age Inquisition. Yeah. That's a good uh, one. Dark Souls three. Like, you know, stuff we talked about a lot, I think. Yes. Um, Arkham Knight. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, those are all good. Those are, those are all good examples. And then obviously, like when a franchise goes off the rails, you're, uh, you know, Silent Hill Homecoming and stuff like that. Yeah. And then my my uh, the current gaming sin du jour that I'm thinking about because uh, Divinity Original Sin 2 doesn't do it mm-hmm. is when you complete a quest before you're given the quest and then you go to the quest giver and the thing resets. Mm-hmm. Um, Divinity Original Sin 2 accounts for this. Like, they, somebody would be like, oh, well, you have to go, you know, check out my downed caravan. And you'd be like, oh, I was already there. And the game rolls with it. And then you get something like Dragon's Dogma where you do that. And then the dungeon just repopulates. <laughs> um, that, I think, that sucks tremendous amounts of ass. I think that's, like, one of the, the in, and again, in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, whenever I say sucking about body part, mm-hmm. I mean it in a bad way. Yes. Um, but I, I just, I think that that's, you know, that really, really, it doesn't pull me out of the game. It makes me feel disrespected for exploring. And like, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it just, it fucking sucks. Like, mm-hmm. it is such a shitty thing that games do continuously. It feels like when, uh, like, it. like when you get the right answer in math class, but the teacher penalizes you because he you showed your work in the wrong way or you got to it in, in a, like, in, in maybe a more advanced way or you, 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 you skip some steps. You know, it's yeah. kind of like, oh, well, now you have to do it again. Now everybody has to do it, has to do it again. Yeah, yeah. I, I did those steps in my head. What's wrong with that? Mm-hmm. You know, I understand showing your work in a general sense because they don't want you to cheat. But like, yes. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Fuck off, math teachers. Yeah. Re- reward me for finding a for finding a novel way to get there. You know. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I want the immersive sim that is the the school experience. <laughs> Does, would, like, wouldn't that just be bully? Yeah. Uh, I, uh, not very immersive. Yeah, I, I want to be able to get all these problems. You know. Uh, through through. Yeah. Cockney ways, <laughs> like vent crawl my way to success. Yeah, um, it's hard. For, it's hard to uh, to think of uh, like a, uh, a a cardinal game dev sin. I'm get I get more. I get less uh, tolerant of control being taken away from me. But I think that's just like a general thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. running towards the camera, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. I just I can't think yeah. of an especially interesting answer to that. Yeah, there's there's lots of like not that interesting. Triangle jump sucks. Oh God! Triangle jump. You know. No. Yeah, triangle jumps real bad. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's see here. Speeve writes: Have you ever initially bounced off of or been turned off of a piece of media 
movie, game, etc., and then come back around to really liking it. Uh, Dark Souls comes to mind for me. I, I initially really despised uh, the game because it seemed like it was difficult for difficulty's sake and poorly put together. A few years later, it ended up clicking with me and becoming one of my favorite games. Another one, another one would be Attack on Titan. Uh, I thought the first season was nonsensical and really overhyped and ended up coming back six years later. Uh, and it was one of my favorite uh, things because of the direction it ended up going in. This is uh, a principle we talk about a lot with uh, with Dark Souls. That game, mm -hmm. I believe, has an incubation period for the people who end up really liking it the most. Um, it's hard for me to think of a game version of that right now. A lot of the games that I love are just kind of love at first sight. A general media one is I initially really didn't like Tim and Eric's awesome show uh, because I came to it from Tom Goes to the Mayor and that just had more structure. <laughs> than tim and eric yeah. did uh tim and eric was a little bit overstimulating and then eventually like by like season th three i got it just because yeah. i had a friend in college who was like oh here's this watch these particular sketches and this will this will unlock it for you this is uh um you know again another standard answer and i'm bouncing off this but that was what me with uh dragon age origins mm -hmm. uh that took me three run-ups um, where I got to the dwarf mines the first two times. Yeah. And it's like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, eventually got into it and now like it. Yeah. You know, never fell in love. You know, it's something that was hyped to me as, hey, it's Baldur's Gate some more. Mm -hmm. You know, but uh, ended up eventually working for me. Yeah. Enough to enjoy. I initially bounced off of the original Fallout and Planescape Torment um, because of mm -hmm. the interface problems. This is back like, Maybe when they initially came out on GOG or, you know, just when I had to pirate them or what have you, uh, doing them for the show got me over those humps. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, Trevor Byrne asks, what are your favorite examples of ludonarrative consonants slash harmony? Um, I have a really good one for this. It, it, again, it's a stock answer. It's something I've talked about on the show. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I in uh, The Walking Dead season one by Telltale. Uh, spoilers at the climax when you get to where you're strangling the kidnapper mm -hmm. the prompt to strangle disappears before you're actually supposed to stop mm -hmm. um, so if you stop strangling at that point uh, he gets the upper hand but if you keep strangling because you're very invested mm -hmm. um, you get the upper hand and I kept strangling without really thinking about it and I was like wow this game made me feel a thing to do an action past yeah. when it was you know <laughs> guiding my hand that's some really good ludonarrative consonants yeah uh, for me, um, let's say Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. Uh, I think okay. that that yeah. is a very well put together game for what it is trying to get across. And you're going to initially be really frustrated with it. But then by the final chapter, when that game goes through its twist, I feel like it makes its point entirely through play. I mean, there, there's no there's no dialogue, so it's it's forced to rely on it. But it does it very well. Um you know, the way that the control scheme, um, let's say, changes context with the story and what goes on. Yeah. Kind of love that game. I wish that studio made stuff that I was more interested in now. That it yeah. takes two game does not look interesting to me. And a way out was, you know, problems. We talked about that. Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. It wasn't meant to be funny. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um. What do you, do you want to do no more another game one? What do you want to do? Uh, we have a lot of game ones here. Uh, we're we're coming up to a, to to a half hour. Let's uh let, let's let's move on to another uh, another category. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, hit us up with a, uh, a life question, Cole. Yeah. Uh, Zindios asks, um, between the ongoing pandemic and getting ready for college classes, I've been cooking a lot of comfort foods like risotto. Uh, have you guys found yourselves cooking more since the start of it all? Uh, any favorite dishes that you like to make? Um, I have been cooking slightly more since I moved in with my girlfriend mm-hmm. in September. Um, we will make dinner uh, probably five nights a week. Mm-hmm. The other two nights are either kind of like catch as catch can or takeout. And uh, we both kind of have a stable of things we make. We do a lot of chicken tenders to add to salad or to broccoli mm-hmm. um, with like a peanut sauce mm-hmm. that we buy that's just, you know, uh, from a bottle. And then uh, lately we've been doing tacos and then I will also make uh, chili from time to time. Yeah. Um, you know, things uh, kind of of that nature, like a lot of chicken and, you know, salad or chicken and peanut sauce and a vegetable. Yeah. Very frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing a lot of uh, uh, soups. Like uh, um, I've got an instant pot and that is really good for making uh, like vegetable soups, um, you know, things like that. So like uh, red pepper lentil soup is really good. Uh, just generally like looking up recipes uh, for, for, for that as it goes. But otherwise, just like a lot of basics, you know, like I uh, have gotten pretty good at cooking a steak on the uh, on the stovetop. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that is just a, like a like a basic the basic cooking skill that I've worked on for a long time. And I actually prefer it to using my grill now, mm-hmm. which is which is weird because I initially hated not having a grill. And now that I have a grill, I don't use it for that. <laughs> mm. the uh the griller's lament yeah yeah so classic yeah. classic uh <laughs> griller's conundrum yeah uh something that has been really helpful is back at the beginning of the pandemic when it seemed like food security was going to be a much bigger problem i got a uh, a vacuum sealer and that has been a godsend specifically mm-hmm. i have wasted so much less food because now when i get um now, when I get vegetables or fruit or anything that could like spoil, I immediately process it and then vacuum seal it. Mm-hmm. So like if I know, OK, like you can take fajita vegetables and put them into everything. Like I made I made a fajita vegetable quesadilla last night um, and yeah, ate that with some black with, with some black beans. And like all you have to do is, you know, saute, saute some chopped up onions and peppers on the stovetop and then put those in a vacuum sealer and then take that out and boil it or put it in the microwave and you can add it to literally anything. Uh, yeah. yeah. Vacuum sealer has been a big plus. Uh, moving on to uh, media questions. Uh, Ralph says, as a child, I would go to the local bookstore with my mom. She was an avid reader. And once in a while, she'd let me pick out uh, one book of my choice. I was probably 12 or 13 at the time I came across the Shadowrun 3rd edition source book. I was fascinated by its interesting characters, gritty tone, and dark setting. For me, this book was influential in shaping a lot of my taste in media and ultimately growing into a huge fan of the Shadowrun video games. Is there any piece of media that you came across as a youth that has been influential or stuck with you? Also, have you played the Battletech by Harebrained Schemes? I think you guys would really dig it. Thanks for the hours of great shows and discussions. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I've talked about this before. I had an aunt who uh, was my book dealer mm-hmm. who got me into like, <laughs> you know, Xanth, unfortunately, but then also like the Robert Asprin myth books and the Belgariad and then Board of the Rings and Star Direct and like a bunch of goofy parody books. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, influenced my 
my appreciation of uh, all things dragon and dungeon. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, similar kind of thing for Shadowrun, except I went backwards. I went from the games to the books, um, yeah. the Super Nintendo game, and then saw the book in the store and was like, holy shit, this is a game. <laughs> and uh, that is why, you know, D&D and Shadowrun were my two two touchstones as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Th- this didn't so much happen for me with books. Uh, it was mostly uh, things that I just kind of found you know, early on, uh, your, uh, your dragon lances and your, uh, dragon riders of Pern and all that, your Narnia, uh, never got, got to it through somebody. Uh, but that's obviously set a tone. It was more a thing with movies and television. So like I probably watched, um, young Frankenstein and blazing saddles way too young, but my dad just loved those movies and was like, Hey, watch this. It's funny. Uh, both of those have been really huge for me. That is of course the basic white guy answer for this. Uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, mm-hmm. another one uh, similar to that, uh, uh, has uh, has really stuck with me and formed, uh, you know, an appreciation for surreal, absurd stuff, you know, uh, mm-hmm. even like from a from a young age. And then obviously uh, coming to The Simpsons and Beavis and Butthead way too young, you know. Yeah, that is uh, kind of is ridiculous. Yes. Like it, in terms of influence. It's just the water, I th- you know, but yeah. it's, you know. It wasn't it granted that I would be able to watch as much of it as I did. And it just became this uh, Rosetta Stone for so much other culture by way of reference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I enjoyed it with family was uh, was the big thing. Yeah, that's also like our context. All of those things I enjoyed with stuff. family. Yeah. 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 Uh, let's see here. Mark writes, uh, maybe you covered this before. Do either of you guys have a movie? Uh, book game or album uh, that you absolutely love but would struggle to explain why to other people uh and are you secretly convinced that friends and significant others would secretly judge you if you tried to explain it uh mine's the adventures of buckaroo bonsai across the eighth dimension and or ice pirates what can i say i've got a type i know the first one i don't know what ice pirates is no i i can make a couple of guesses based on two clues in the name <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I don't uh, following I can, a trail of breadcrumbs that begins with one word and ends with the other. You know. uh, I can think of two things wrong with that title. Uh. Yeah. I um, not 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 so much uh, for me. Like explaining why I like uh, bits of media I've been doing professionally for a while, but even before that, I did it amateurly. Yeah, you know, it's always important to me to explain why I I think the things that I I love are cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't worry so much anymore about being judged for liking stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, uh, don't, don't care that much. And I think it's just a a function of me getting older where like, you know, the friends who I still have around, the people who I include around me, like are not the kind of people I'm going to be embarrassed around. Yeah. Yeah. Similar. I, I never fear being judged. There are things that I know are objectively or would would objectively be very boring. Like one of my favorite books is called The Snow Leopard. Uh, found out about it uh, f- through a band that I like. Uh, but it's like a nature book about a trek through the Himalayas. Um, or not even the Himalayas. It was like the foothills, like through Nepal. Um, like uh, on the on a search for like particular animals and it's you know kind of boring as paint because it's a bit of a travelogue as they stop by all these places but it's just fucking beautiful nature writing descriptions with no real plot other than this is what happened when we were here you know mm-hmm. that's a hard sell <laughs> mm-hmm. but i also uh think that it is uh you know th- there's breathtaking prose in there 
It's by uh, by Peter mm-hmm. Matheson uh, as the uh, as the journalist who wrote it. No. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Cinder Elf asks, besides what you're covering for shows, what media have you been enjoying lately? Yeah. What you been uh, what you been watching or reading, Gary? Um, uh, I have been watching uh, The Simpsons Season 30. <laughs> you keep on mentioning so, this. <laughs> it's The Lords of the Fallen of the Simpsons. Okay. I, I watch it every year. It, it's, uh, I've, I'm coming to peace with Late Simpsons as once they get kind of fresh blood writers in as being mm-hmm. a show that is funny. Okay. Where I know all the characters. Yes. Uh, and there are still really good jokes in it. And I don't have to get to know a whole new cast. Good. Yeah. You know, which is important to me because I, that's the kind of energy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I have, um, prior kind of to that, um, you know, I wa- watched through, uh, you know, I talked about pen 15. That's super good. I just finished the, uh, indifferent stars above, which is really good. Um, that was the who, uh, book that, uh, you listened to about the Donner party. Yeah, that's the the Donner Party uh, book, and that's that's excellent. Mm-hmm. And then I have been uh, reading Rick Remender comics, mm-hmm. so I I finished uh, his Punisher run, which is somehow good, even though it turns the Punisher into a Frankenstein. <laughs> uh, no what? joke, but it's actually pretty fun. <laughs> Wait, he dies and is like put back together and brought to life, or what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, uh, he turns oh, into a Frankenstein. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah he gets frankenstein to baby uh but he's just like you know good good uh comics writer like he's fun uh-huh. uh and i've been reading uh his uh venom which i think mm-hmm. gwen a uh, friend of the show recommended mm-hmm. uh to me and so far it is interesting oh nice so, you've not been a also fan of comics book like venom you've been uh you're you're mostly a venom movie guy right I'm a movie Venom guy. Right. I don't care for Venom, the comic book, the lethal protector. <laughs> um, I just think the movie is just really wild. Yeah. Um, so I, I have no, in, it's not even the same character. It's like yeah. a, a totally different, totally different Venom. It's, listen, this isn't your daddy's Venom. <laughs> this isn't the kind of Venom you take home to mama. Mm-hmm. Um, and then reading Shadowrun uh, source books and adventures to prepare for my campaign. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have been rounding the bend on the drifting classroom. Um, it's a big long running horror manga, uh, ran in like the, like the late seventies, uh, was just recently put out in a perfect bounds, uh, uh, three perfect bound omnibuses by, uh, by, by, uh, I think it was Viz, maybe I think. Sounds like Viz. Yeah, that's a Viz kind of thing. Uh, rounding that out and I'm going to start on Nausicaa. That manga uh, that I got uh, just here. As far as watching stuff, mostly it's been comfort viewing since I discovered that um, HBO Max. Yeah, it would be HBO Max. Uh, since I discovered that that has classic Adult Swim stuff, I've been in a little bit of a nostalgia hole with that as well. Uh, rewatching Aqua Teen Hunger Force uh, uh, and uh, the Aqua Teen Hunger Force the Squid mo- Williams. movie. No, no, Squid Williams was a little bit after my time. Uh, yeah, but like. Too uh c lab and the brack show uh you, you know stuff just stuff like that from like that era of adult swim uh really easy to go through tom goes to the mayor uh second mention of that it's just on my mm-hmm. on my mind because that's a very good show that i like yeah so mm-hmm. just kind of going going down a hole on that uh tried to make a little bit of a headway into wandavision but a little bit of it it's not that i dislike it it's just that a little bit of it goes a long way 
it's not one that mm-hmm. I'm gonna like binge, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it it does neat things that I think you'll like until it doesn't. Yeah, you know, it eventually turns into a Marvel thing, but it 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 stays like like pretty fascinating for a while, mm-hmm. and then ends up becoming an above average Marvel thing. IMO. Okay. Yeah. Um, C Lab is so good. C Lab is so good. Um, it, 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 it's 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 really hard to uh, uh, you know think about that show without Murph. Like it's really tragic that what's his name Harry goes. I think died yeah. uh, and had to be replaced with his brother. It's still it's there are still some good episodes after after yeah. he after Murph dies and is replaced. Uh, it's the season thirty of C Lab. Oh man, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that, that's uh, that, that that's my answer there. Just a lot of comfort viewing, like uh, like usual. Yeah, comfort viewing is great. Yeah, not in this year to be challenged. Nope. Yeah. Uh, let's want to do one more media and then go to lightning round. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, uh, I think let, this is you. Okay. Uh, Chapel writes, uh, are you guys into Warhammer fantasy at all? My only exposure to the franchise has been through the total war Warhammer games. Uh, but I love how the universe is full of rule of cool nonsense. Uh, you guys both always seem to really enjoy cool ideas and concepts, especially in a fantasy setting. And Warhammer is essentially a blank check. Uh, for the most outrageous, over-the-top insanity that you can think of, and requires basically no explanation or in-universe justification. Giant walking pirate ship with a cannon arm? Hell yeah. You want rats with machine guns purely because Gatling sounds kind of like rattling? Uh, We'll work it in. Uh, How do the helicopters flown by dwarves work? I don't know. Shut up. Uh, I'm sure there's a lore justification for everything, but, like, who gives a shit? It's rad. The, uh, it's funny that you bring this up because if you had asked this last month, I have no answer for it. But me and my friend Derek have play been playing Vermintide Two. Oh yeah, uh, which is like a uh, it's like know, Left for Dead but with rats and city monster kind of thing. Yeah, co-op melee Left for Dead mm-hmm. uh, kind of. Um, and there is like an element I appreciate. Like you, you just bisect rat people just constantly like yeah. bisect it's you know things that are safe for fatalities in mortal Kombat. you do with the push of a button mm-hmm. consistently um every time somebody talks i want to pull my fucking ears off <laughs> uh, th- there's like i find the the kind of tone of the way that's presented to me really annoying mm-hmm. um while the actual images are really cool so i i'm kind of in a position where like i can imagine enjoying like a monstrous manual of it just for pictures of these over-the-top concepts and i want to learn absolutely nothing about them <laughs> uh, including their voices or their motivations their feelings yeah i don't want anything to do with that mm-hmm. um yeah anything warhammer either uh fantasy or 40k is just a huge uh blind spot for me i never got it got into it when i was young and at this point there's so much of it that it's really intimidating I can appreciate the aesthetic and the ideas that have bubbled out to me are pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, as it stands, you know, I think most of my exposure to it has been through the, uh, you know, Blizzard equivalents with the serial numbers filed off. Yeah. 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 Um, lightning round. Patrick Taylor says, uh, have you thought about doing more episodes on shorter games? I think that there are some good bite-sized depots out there that might be fun to hear. Uh, your lips to God's ears. Yeah. 
you know, I, I love doing shorter games for the show. I think that uh, we can make really fun, breezy episodes mm-hmm. on those. Uh, so much of our episodes now, I feel like, are patron demands. Yep. Um, even after we rebalance the pricing tier to kind of take a little bit more control over that, uh, you know, this is a good problem to have. I'm not complaining. Yeah. Um, but uh, just by kind of nature of the beast, like a lot of those end up being a little bit longer. Yes. Um, I would love to do some more short games. I think that there's like a lot of interesting stuff in that zone. Agreed. You know, not even just like retro throwbacks. Like there's still a handful of NES games that I would like to cover. Um, oh, totally. You know, yeah. but even like modern, you know, short games, like what remains of Edith Finch short game, really interesting and heartbreaking stuff in there. That would be fun to talk yeah. about. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a lot of stuff. So yes, uh, I would love to do this. Agreed. Uh, Jordan writes, orb question. If you had to perpetually raise a teenage Hank or Dean, which would you choose? Oh, a Dean. 100%. Dean. (laughs) Dean. Hank Hank Um, would be easier to get along with, uh, but Hank is a handful. (laughs) Yeah, Hank would kill himself and Dean would keep to himself and study. Yes. So Dean, way easier. And uh, again, I'm not in this year to be challenged. (laughs) Um, Excuse me. Uh, Kevin asks, Bloodborne's board game adaptation is out, and it's surprisingly good. Any chance of Bonfireside Chat slash Adaptation Decay uh, crossover for the Bloodborne or Dark Souls board games? Um, I have played I have played the Dark Souls board game and don't love it. Yeah, but I have been more into solo board games mm-hmm. lately. I've got like a, a workbench set up in my garage to play game board games by myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm a little bit more interested in that. The trick uh, being is that we both have to play it, and there's kind of a pretty you know not uh minor expense to that yes you know me and cole both paying 90 dollars mm-hmm. uh, to do an episode of adaptation decay is a pretty spicy meatball yeah yeah you know for and that's the dark souls board game i think the bloodborne one is cheaper but i already um, have the so, dark the dark souls board game <laughs> so, oh yeah well, yeah there, there we go mm-hmm. um i'm sure i've got uh, a friend that would be willing to offload it mm-hmm. um so yeah there's definitely a chance yeah um i so i had so. no idea that there was a new bloodborne board game i know i know that they had that card game that was uh that was the chalice dungeons but this one looks like a like a proper like one you know one to four player adventure kind of thing yeah and they have a they have um, an expansion coming out in july that's like for just all about forsaken castle canehurst Cain, uh which looks yeah. dope as fuck yeah that stuff looks really cool i was yeah. i've been kind of burned by that stuff because i don't like the dark souls board game and i didn't like the bloodborne card game mm-hmm uh, the, the previous one, but yeah. I have heard good things about the board game and I will, uh, yeah, I've been keeping an eye out. So yes, yeah. there's definitely a chance. Mm-hmm. It is not ruled out. It just, uh, it's a matter of logistics. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew asks, uh, you talked, uh, before about recommendation poison. What's one TV show slash other media that people can't shut up about that you will never ever watch on principle. The Mandalorian. There you go. Yeah, I just, <laughs> My I just, answer I, too, I, I didn't think about it. I'm not going to watch yeah, the Mandalorian. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care. I <laughs> like the idea of like a Star Wars Western. Okay, fine. Uh, but the fact, what I know about what happens with season two and how it starts getting tied back into the canon. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not necessarily that, that, that interested uh, in that. Like, I'm, I'm willing to admit that it you know, might be good. It's just, uh, yeah. I can't, I can't find room in my heart for it lots of friends who like it and i don't wish ill on them right you know but i can't handle i can't abide a grogu <laughs> yes. um yeah uh this the, you know i don't i don't know if there's uh things i will never mm-hmm. you know 
do a lot of the things people never shut up about. I've already watched. Um, and then a lot of the things people never shut up about, I either have watched and decided it's not for me or people started shutting up about it. You know, like right, Lost right. used to be like that, and then everybody kind of agreed, like, eh, it's actually yeah, that weekend memory you know, hold so that, good. yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and throw the Mandalorian in there as well, because mm-hmm. uh, you know I don't not not my not my circus, not my problem, not mm-hmm. my monkey. Yeah. So. Oh, I've I've never heard that version of it. I I say uh, not my pig, not my farm because of Letter Kenny, but oh, not my uh, the the Russian version is, I think is not my circus, not my monkey. Ooh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Eric asks, uh, thanks to Orb, I've been on, look, on the lookout for Razzles. It's like two gifts. Uh, spoiler mm-hmm. alert, I can't find them anywhere. Got a beat on where they could be found? Uh, and with that in mind, <laughs> got, got any local regional novelty, food or otherwise, that you would recommend? Um, Razzles I've had before, but I haven't had them in a long time. Yeah. For weird candies like that, because I'm a fan of Mary Jane's, which are those peanut butter uh, taffies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dollar General. Dollar General is where like weird ass candies go to die. Yeah, it's sixlets for miles. If you go to a Dollar General, you will find Razzles. I'm sure. Yeah, just and and Necco wafers laying around like pennies. Yeah, yeah. They, they use them as currency there. <laughs> um I, I so there's nothing local here like man stewart's root beer and jones potato chips but like you've had potato chips you've had root beer that's fine um whenever my family goes out east uh to maryland and virginia uh i always have them bring back birch beer birch beer is mm-hmm. really good but that is i think breaking the spirit of the question that is local it is just not my locality uh, up here, I have not found anything like local to the Pacific Northwest. Um, in Illinois, there were several things. So like, um, Verner's, uh, Oh, Verner's is, kind of is great. Ginger ale. Oh, I love, yeah. I love Verner's. Yeah. That's Midwestern. Like that. You can't find that everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, but it's really interesting. Um, and then, uh, Mrs. Fisher's potato chips, mm. um, which if you've never cool, if you've never seen the logo for it, Mrs. Fisher's. <laughs> Yeah, Mrs. Fisher's potato. Uh, I'll give you a uh, hint here. There's no uh, the the mascot is not Mrs. Fisher at all. <laughs> okay. Uh, the mascot is somebody entirely different. <laughs> Have you found her, or should I put it in the slot? No, I found it. Is it the is yeah. it the cranky potato that is being carried by two children? He's <laughs> ringing around the rosy with two innocent moppets. Yep. Oh, it, it looked like they were carrying him. <laughs> like there was an it's, off-screen it's, slicing machine. It's really hard to tell what his expression is. Like cranky yeah. is one. He's like the Mona Lisa of potatoes, though, because like if you if you look at it from different angles, he's very knowing. Uh huh. Like it either looks like like it can look like he the kids are carrying to a slicing machine, or he's carrying the kids to a slicing machine. Yeah. um those are legitimately uh they take the thing you know they they're i don't know how they hold up now Mm -hmm. but they are like really really uh oily and salty and crunchy Mm -hmm. it takes all the elements of a potato chip and turns them up to like 11 oh nice so it ends up being this very like you can't eat a bunch of them Mm -hmm. but uh you know just a few of them are really really pleasing yeah there's some cincinnati area ones that i really miss uh there were some amazing uh barbecue chips called grippos (laughs) grippos buy them in a four pound bag uh (laughs) and uh they have so much barbecue dust on them and it's actually spicy 
which is which is was nice. it a portmanteau of like a hippo with a strong grip uh i have no idea why it's called grippos okay <laughs> It's just they're they're just called grippos. It's it sounds like a fake. Uh, I mean, it sounds like chippos from uh, from uh, the Simpsons. The Simpsons mm-hmm. is, is what it reminds me of. But yeah. Uh, oh, and another beverage. Uh, I would fucking kill for some ALA one. Oh yeah, I can get that here. Oh, you can. Fuck, yeah. dude, I can't find it anywhere around here. I was looking at buying uh, twelve packs, but it's like twenty dollars to ship it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that is one of these sodas. I mean, I would need to double check. Yeah. I think that yeah. is one of the sodas that uh, will show up in, like, novelty soda shops around here. If I find some, I'll send you some. Uh, it, so. it would be really, really expensive to ship. It would be easier Not for me to have a... Not if I mail. Oh. Not <laughs> if I hollow out a book. <laughs> yeah, fill it with soda. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I, but I love A Light One. A Light One with a little bit of uh, uh, bottom shelf bourbon in it. Mm. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Mark uh, also asked an orb question. Nice to see people responding to orb. Yeah. Um, I kind of hate Sarda Hatred, but I feel like most other fans really like him. What's the appeal? Most um, other fans don't. In my experience, it's the opposite. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think most fans hate him. Because um, <laughs> he's a replacement like, Brock. Yeah. Well, he's a replacement Brock, and he's also a well, sympathetic a pe- pedophile. Right. Uh, which is not the easiest sell uh-huh. in the history of characterizations. Yeah. Um, you know, I... Uh, I kind of like Sergeant Hatred because I like that they take him seriously. Yes. And, you know, I'll talk about that at length, like when we get to him in the show. For me, that is the appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, uh, boy, how to phrase. Um, I think that, that people uh, 100% have control over their actions, but I do think that in some ways what turns you on turns you on. And people who are turned on by things that are incredibly problematic, I have a modicum of sympathy for Right. Provided they do no actions. Yes. Uh, related to that. And Sergeant Hatred is very canonically and specifically trying his best to not yeah. act on that. Now, Sergeant Hatred isn't real. They made him and they could have just made him not. Right. You know, a pederast. Right. And that would have been a, a move. You know, that would have been a good move. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I buy into the fiction enough, like if I step into the magic circle enough to buy him as a character... I appreciate that they take him seriously and that he is a victim of his impulses rather than somebody who wallows in them. Like the guy on the family guy, you know, like he's, his arc is actively about trying to resist this stuff. Yes. And he successfully does. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, again, no, I'm not trying to like, Oh, you know, here's the clip to cut from this. Gary's sympathetic to pedophiles. Like, no, you know, certainly not, but it, it, it just, I do have, you know, you're turned on by weird shit. Like, mm-hmm. I don't control what I'm turned on by. Right, right. You know, I don't I don't sit down and be like, okay, today I'm going to be turned on by this. Like, mm-hmm. no, just like, what kind of moves your dick moves your dick. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm lucky enough to where, like, what moves my dick is within very acceptable parameters. And yeah. And it doesn't hurt anybody. Yeah, it does, there, there is no victim associated with it. Yeah. No. No, you know, I, I'm, I, I fall pretty much in the same lane, you know, while also saying if Sergeant, if Sergeant Hatred's very existence intersects with a horrible experience that you had, you are under no obligation to see, to, 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 to see it as acceptable, you know? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. like it is, it is one just... of the most understandable cilantro things in the world. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, um, I fault no one. Yes. So we'll talk about it when we get there um yeah. uh, when it comes soon. to the, comes to the, uh, yeah pretty, pretty soon uh when he uh starts yeah. popping up uh but uh, season. yeah also he's funny he, he he gets he gets good lines 
and I and I yeah. like I like that, that just just he, he makes a Henry Darger reference, which is really yeah. fun. Was <laughs> written by Henry Darger? Like it's a funny joke. Yeah, you know? like I didn't. Uh, I, I was not expecting a Henry Darger drop. Yeah. So somebody in the Slack uh, said that him and King Gorilla are king of the rough chuckles. Yeah, yeah, and I it's could like see that. you know people uh, vary in their ability to still chuckle along. Right. You know, to Adventure Brothers rough chuckles. Um, I judge no one who can no longer chuckle along to those rough chuckles, but I can still chuckle along. Yes. No. So. Agreed. Uh, yeah. uh, let's see here. Ian writes, as someone with zero D&D experience, which would you recommend? Baldur's Gate 1, Baldur's Gate 2, Planescape Torment, or Icewind Dale? Uh, that's tough. Like, Torment is the best game of those. Uh, Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate 2 plays the best and is a pretty close second. Um, and then I would probably say Baldur's Gate one and then Icewind Dale, even though I like Icewind Dale. Yeah. Um, you know, it, whenever there's a question like, where do you start? I always feel like there's an implied shadow question of like, if I only do one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and if I only do one, it should definitely be Planescape Torment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then Baldur's Gate two after that. And if you're more interested in like a D and D ass, like what it feels like to be in a big epic campaign. Mm-hmm. Baldur's Gate 2 is really good. Yeah, Baldur's Gate 2, specifically because you're not in the rat-killing uh, business at the start of that. You know, yeah. like it, it puts yeah. you into an interesting part of the uh, the story, uh, which mm-hmm. is necessary, I think. Uh, you know, it starts it starts on a crescendo, right? Um, that will be a better sense of what D&D kind of is, you know, also because it's in the Forgotten Realms. Uh, which is, you know, again, just this Rosetta Stone for a lot of stuff. Uh, Planescape, Tor- uh, Planescape Torment is less representative of D&D, but it is a better experience because it is a better story, I think. Yes. You know? Yeah, like a pretty singular experience, yeah. in my opinion. So, yep. Um, William asks, who are some video game characters that you have been really invested in? Like you wanted them to be happy at the end of things, better off than when they started in a way that motivated you? This is tough um arcade ganon yeah i want arcade to i want things to work out for him yeah i like arcade a lot yeah um you know i i want uh the family and gone home i want things to go well for them yes you know i want may to to do well in night in the woods oh yeah you know even though she's kind of a jerk mm-hmm. um you know i still want good things i want uh good things for the couple at the end of life is strange yes you know mm-hmm. um yeah i think so um yeah i I was really invested at the end by uh by by how things turned out for for Geralt. yeah oh yeah that that smile the like blood and wine like i'm gonna be all right smile Mm -hmm. is such a sweet send-off yeah well even so you know siri the the ending that i got for siri um was you know hugely hugely satisfying right yeah i was very invested in that yeah so uh, and then finally, uh, Gabriel Tyndall asks, uh, what are your guys' plan if one of you suddenly and unfortunately dies? Continue the show and just call it Watch Out for a Fireball? <laughs> um, what a serious question. Very serious question. <laughs> uh, the, um, uh, I've thought about this a lot. Have you? Uh, not, <laughs> you yeah, plans? not in like, no, no, no plans. Just like, uh-huh. you know, the, the weird thing. So I was thinking about uh, one of the things I think about, and this is like a Bob Mackie a quote that I'm fucking up is that like when I was traditionally employed, one asshole could decide whether I had a job. And yeah. now if, you know, it would be a gradual process by which thousands of people would decide mm-hmm. I don't have a job, but 
in my previous job, you know, if the, the, you know, somebody I work with passed away, that would be unfortunate, but wouldn't damage my livelihood. Right. Right. You know, if, if one of us died, it would be really, really, you know, we'd have to figure out Mm -hmm. what to do. And that would be difficult. Like I like to think I would continue in some way. Yeah. It's, it's, Um, it's rewarding work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. rewarding work i still have things to say like i would mourn the shit out of you dude <laughs> good no, thanks no homo, Same. but i would mourn the shit out of you <laughs> um, <laughs> fellas is it, is it gay to mourn one of your best friends <laughs> um like, I, I would mourn you a lot but i i also like i would try to continue and yeah i i don't you know i wonder about that kind of thing because mm-hmm. i i feel like the, the the network as a gestalt is kind of what brings the boys to the yard. Yes. Um, you know, because every once in a while we'll get a review where it's like, you know, Gary, you're great. Cole sucks. Cole, you're mm-hmm. great. Gary sucks. But for the most part, people like both of us. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wonder about the success of that. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Would there, would you be able to, you know, would, would it be a breaking of the fellowship and everybody moves on, you know, kind of, yeah. kind of thing? Uh, would you be able to or find would, the would same... doing something different? with the, the brand or the show, like hurt your feelings if you were still alive. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, if I die suddenly, you can continue doing the show under the same name. If you want to, that's you fine. mean during this recording or <laughs> yeah. I'm struck by lightning. This, episode? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. this show must go on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that would suck. I think that I would probably, uh, not, do the shows under the same name, but would still do things that are around the same. Yeah. yeah. Kind of, you know, I'm a little offended that idea. you didn't give me permission, uh, to go on after. Oh yeah. You can go on. Okay, cool. I, I don't have to be buried with you like an Egyptian Pharaoh. Like Smithers. The little figurine uh, is so panicked. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 somebody sculpted that. Yeah, good joke. Um, I don't, uh, think about what happens after I die very much. Same. Uh, cause I won't be here. Yeah. So, no, yeah. I've thought nuts. about this uh, podcast. I listen to a lot of political podcasts. Uh, the Majority Report, one of their hosts, uh, Michael Brooks, uh, passed away like suddenly and tragically last year at like age 34. Just mm. of like a, like a blood cot, a uh, blood cot, like in his throat. Just, just gone. Not the blood cot that, yeah, the, uh, the, is the, in, the, the, in room 237. Dra- yeah. The, the, the Dracula sleeps on because it has a little bit of earth yeah. from his homeland under it. No, yeah. no, just he just yeah. passed away like extremely suddenly and it was so fucking sad. Um, yeah. you know, and that made me think about this a little bit more, but we're getting beyond lightning round kind of, kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Random death happens. Yes. Can't control you know, it. Uh, can't control it. Um, you know, you don't, uh, you don't get a say in it, so. Yeah. Do we move on to the topic and before I get too fucking depressed to continue? Unless you want to just talk about us as the topic. <laughs> no. We can, we, can, we can move on. We can, no, we can pull up. I'd like to, I would like to pull up, Gary. I'm not ready for this kind of guppy energy. We have something yeah. to record after this. Oh, I don't. I, the, the guppy energy is, uh, like, we're all pretty serious about death. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, you know, it's, it's not a violent thing in that. Mm. I, mean, I guess the guppy part would be yes-anding it. Yeah. <laughs> So say yes and to death. Yeah. Everything to guppy. <laughs> oh um, man. Good t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> uh let's move on to the uh to the topic. Uh the topic this time. I'm surprised we haven't gotten to it uh just yet. But Andrew F writes, What makes a good tutorial? Uh this can include intro levels easing you into the game. What games do you think are best in class? 
Uh, what types do you despise? Do you even need WASD tutorials anymore? Discuss. Um, yeah, good, uh, good question. Mm -hmm. um, it's also, I want to do a disclaimer up front that I think that like, there are a lot of people smarter than me who have tackled this stuff. Yeah. Um, I've read and watched a bunch of essays mm -hmm. uh, on this very topic. Um, this is a major game design thing that like I can talk about in terms of my own experience and everything, but I'm not. Uh, yeah. You know, there's literature out there, I guess. Yeah. There are also ways point. that this extends over to um, accessibility uh, that yes. uh, I might, I, I literally just might not be aware of because I do not run into that. Uh, where it might yeah. uh, it might be a factor for somebody, and I'm not seeing that. So blind spots about. Yes, absolutely. Um, and and there's no malice intended. Yeah. You know. Um, so I like uh, wordless tutorials as best as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, with a with or as as close to wordless as possible with a reference uh, guide, you can access at any time. Yes. You know, uh, so uh, really good tutorials are like the first level of Shovel Knight, mm -hmm. you know, where you're very encouraged to do things. The first level of Mega Man X. Um, if we're going to have words, I don't want it tied into lore. Uh, yeah, something please, that, for the for yeah, fuck's sake, please don't tie it into lore. That's uh, a real common like indie Steam game where like some really jokey joke AI will tell you how to play the game and include a lot of like, you know, Little little asides and and the, and lorelets and goofs. The, the boys back at the lab call this the jump button. <laughs> yeah, I, I I can't handle that because my mind is in a very different space. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not interested in internalizing shit. No, uh, about your world during that. I I just want to learn, you know, what it feels like to be in it. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, the ability to go back and reference stuff is so important. I think that that yeah. is way more, you know, that that is more important to me than just kind of the persistent, um, you know, the persistent problem of, you know, let me get to the fireworks factory, please. Like a delay is temporary, but if something is poorly explained um, and cannot be accessed without me going to uh, a search uh, and finding mm -hmm. uh, most likely a forum post with somebody asking, how, how do I do X, Y or Z and seeing people's cranky responses to that, which sucks or heaven for a friend, heaven for a friend, an outdated YouTube video. Yeah. <laughs> or even a modern YouTube video. Yeah. You yeah. had to like literally press play on a video to learn how to do something. That's no, mistake. no. Uh, for Christ's sake, just anything that can avoid that. Uh, some exceptional games that I think have done very good with reference um uh here recently monster train uh which mm -hmm. i've had in my mind because i've found it found a way to play that in bed uh which is big Expansion thumbs up comes out soon oh it does i'm so excited gary yeah, New plan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm really excited <laughs> yeah but the fact that just everything is explained you know like you can always get a sense when you look at uh you know a card you get the tool tip that tells you what that does and you can go in and see what those uh what those terms mean uh, the fact that it is just kind of always there and always serviced for you. Uh, you could see that as clutter. Uh, I do not, especially when you have something as complex as that. Same thing with um, Crusader Kings 3. Uh, that tutorial is very good, but the fact that um, everything is tooltipped, like almost to the degree, almost to the degree, the degree that tyranny is, 
and you can do mm -hmm. nested tooltips. So each tooltip, if you do not understand what that is referencing to, you can just like quickly see the definition of the mechanic that they have there uh, by getting by getting into it. Like that is incredibly good discoverable interface that surfaces the information uh, and is much more useful to me than a good, bad, skippable, unskippable uh, presentation at the start. That to me is effective. Yeah, yeah. I, I like hover over. Yeah, um, as kind of an industry standard. Um, I, I really like if you're going to have writing, uh, in your tutorial, it's not going to be a wordless tutorial. Mm -hmm. Um, a weird, like an old game that is a hall of fame tutorial for me is, uh, the starting room in Isaac, mm -hmm. uh, where the controls are painted on the floor Yeah, uh, and that's it, mm -hmm. you know, because that's a game about discoverability, like having a tutorial that's like secret rooms are like this, Yeah, you know, you, you find them by doing this, that would be counterintuitive, mm -hmm. but just giving you the motion as something that is as, you know, entirely non-intrusive. Like if you need to know WASD, mm -hmm. read it. If not though, just go. Yeah. Uh, that's really excellent to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a kind of a gameplay reason to have that, uh, the first room have a tutorial in it because you don't want the first room to have enemies in it. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously, so it has to have something, um, you know, I think that's a really good, uh, example of a good tutorial. So I, I, I really like tutorials that are not to me, um, less handholdy with reference is way better than overly handholdy. Yeah. Um, overly handholdy, uh, is really obnoxious and that's a, an old canard on this network, but you end up with like skyward sword shit. Yeah. I mean, hall, hall of shame is definitely twilight princess, I think. Um, yeah, and you know, I, I could continue hitting, hitting on that usual punching bag, or I could just kind of, you know, say something that I think is a cardinal sin that that commits, which is, um, not giving you access to a full range of the things that you, uh, uh, are going to be able to do at the start, you know, like yes. locking away whole systems. Um, you know, the pre, oh my gosh, like the pre Zodiac age version of final fantasy 12. That's a game. I love to pieces final fantasy 12, Yeah, but like when they just oh, like, can't, can't use gambits until, you know, part way in. And also you don't have gambit slots until we explain what to do with, you know, more gambit stuff. Like, no, just give me that. Let me, let me have yeah. it, please. God, that, that stuff is, is absolutely infuriating. And it's, it's a thing that is really big in like the, the JRPG and JR like P action RPG, mm -hmm. uh, genre. Like yeah. I remember uh, when Will was playing one of the, the Xeno games on my Wii U yeah. and just like, yeah, they introduced mechs at like 50 hours in. <laughs> and it's like this whole big system that people like about it. And I'm like, you, you have to trust me more, please. You know, I, I understand the idea behind you know we don't want to overwhelm the player mm -hmm. but there is uh also know your audience yeah right? because like you know video like not to, to sound like a newsweek from 1999 but video games aren't just for kids anymore <laughs> you know yeah they've come a long way since pac-man <laughs> yeah they've really come a long way since pac-man uh, and pac-man also didn't tell you how to play it uh-huh um you know it, it was you know you don't have to like I'm not scared of your systems. Mm -hmm. I'm playing the game for the systems. Yeah. Um, you know? Every time I like, if when I, every time I've tried to restart um, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance or, or A2, mm -hmm. same kind of shit. Like the, the cool stuff that happens is so buried in it. And like, it's the, it's the game equivalent of like, oh, you have to, have to wait a season before it gets good. Right, right. And I do not want to wait a season. No, like, you know? Give, you know, make make your first hour a sales pitch for what's cool about this. 
you yeah. know, <laughs> please, you know, in, include include it, you know, and it's especially annoying because there's not a story reason for holding all that stuff. It's not like it's a fucking like big mystery. Right. Yeah. The world would know about gambit systems. <laughs> right. You know, it's not it's it's something that would be part of, of that thing. And introducing it slowly, like one by one is fine. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think that the the what I don't like in a tutorial is tons of breathing room between concepts. Yes. And I don't like treating concepts as if they're more complicated than they really are, mm-hmm. like in a way that insults my intelligence. Yeah. Uh, you know, gambits uh, in that game are a cool thing about that game. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not that hard to understand. No. Um, you know, and if you if it if you, you know, if that is different for you, like, that's why I want that backup. Mm-hmm. Right. Like give me access to it right away and then write a couple pages about how it works in detail in a, a possible menu. Yeah. So I can reference it if I need to know something specific about it. Mm-hmm. But if I intuitively get it because I'm bright enough to intuitively get it, let me intuitively get it. Yeah. Like Fantasy Star 4 had those. It's not that <laughs> fucking complicated. Right. It's macros. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's it's if then statements, you know. Uh, most people have logic is you you learn in school. Yeah. Yeah, you've got that. Um something that I think uh, that that I have played recently that I think is doing a good job with this. I've picked up and started playing Nosha. Um which is uh it came to the Switch. It's a uh a a pretty mechanics heavy visual novel. Uh that's mm-hmm. the one that that where you're on like the space station it's like a single player among us like you know social deduction okay. game uh where uh the ability to, to determine who is lying and stuff is based on like stats and also you know just observing their behaviors and things like that uh you start out knowing absolutely nothing uh and because mm-hmm. it is a visual novel and you know it, the, the the confusion and mystery is like a part of it the mechanics are unrolled to you over the course of several loops of the game uh, as it goes okay. on and it is like very intentionally hostile about withholding stuff from you until it becomes uh, like necessary when a new character comes in uh to uh to figure out how to address it uh that has been good uh as you uh work in the mechanics into part of the process of like understanding what this world is and why things are the way they are and what this contagion yeah. is that everybody has I have a lot of patience for authored encounters that are designed to teach you something, but it being available right from the beginning. Yes. You know, so if, if I played this before, if I, if I know the thing, let me be rewarded for that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, it stays consistent within the fiction of the game. Yeah. Uh, in, in a better way. And it, it makes me feel less uh, condescended too. Yes. You I know, do not which, like being condescended too. Yeah, grayed out options in a menu until I get past a certain part make me feel very condescended too. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not like it's super not okay. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, in general, like I think that a good you know so non obtrusive, like mm-hmm. teaching without uh, explicitly teaching while having reference is probably the short answer. Yeah. Uh, you know, to this, I think that's that's really good. Um, I think that sometimes. Uh, Games folk can overwank themselves on um, ways that early games explored the basics uh, in a way that doesn't speak to how modern games would have to do that. 
So, you know, for example, like, you know, a lot has been written about, you know, the first level of Mega Man X or the first level of Super Mario Brothers mm-hmm. and how it teaches you to go right. Yeah. You know, no. um, I think that game design and thinking about games should incorporate uh, the the semiotics and the linguistics that are kind of inherent to the medium. Yeah. You know, yeah. so something like WASD, I don't really feel needs to be or like moving by using the controller. That's never going to bother me. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's there's a way there's a kind of a school of game design where somebody will say like, oh, I need to make this good enough for somebody who's never played a video game before. Mm-hmm. And I always feel like, why? <laughs> you know, like what what proportion of your audience is going to be first? Like, yes, that person is extant, mm-hmm. but if they you know if they look at a controller and they've never touched a controller before and they're trying to you know to play this game and they literally can't figure out that the stick moves your guy around, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they they're so and not only that but they're so afraid to experiment. Yeah, you know that's a big thing too. Like starting a a, a tutorial or starting the beginning of a game in an area of low danger mm-hmm. so you can get the feel and try buttons just to see what they do. If the person is too afraid to do that without guidance, I don't know whether that is somebody you're like really trying to reach. That, like that's that an does, audience. That seems like a low return. Um, you're going to get a low return on your investment for that. Yeah, and you're going to annoy thousands. <laughs> right. The, right. Yeah. <laughs> like a, you know, you're, you're going to alienate them at the, at the very least. It's a problem that's better solved by what you described, which is the 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 slow ramp up um yeah. of of the early design, you know. Um the <laughs> the the outside the castle portion of Mario 64, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which that's, that's a great tutorial. Mm-hmm. You know, like hey, just press some buttons, man. Just, just stick around. <laughs> just yeah. see. See what physics does. Yeah. It's you, like the, the video game equivalent of like being, you know, all of your memories erased and then like throwing a rock and seeing what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, you learn a lot from that. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, gravity, arcs, rocks. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, rocks break, things break. It hurts to get hit with a rock. Yeah. 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 It hurts other people to get hit with a rock. Yeah. You know, you, you, you it's just, it's that kind of learning, I think, is a lot better than just like telling. Yeah. So, you know. And as far as like is a WASD uh, tutorial necessary, eh, probably not. But I think that it is good for um, games to be able to account for multiple inputs. So like <laughs> knowing what uh, device you are using to control it and just like flashing up a little glyph on the screen, like a tooltip saying like, oh, yeah, yeah, left stick moves, right stick looks, you know, that costs nothing. Um, yeah. You know, and, and when it goes cost nothing, both in terms of. You know, it's it's low cost in terms of development, but very yeah. low cost in terms of player friction as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't have to stop and listen to somebody be like, "Okay, you know, the boys from the lab got back with your boots." <laughs> you know, it, like here's a little jokey joke about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, don't do. Uh, <laughs> I guess if it has if it has to do with like the nuts and bolts function of the game, don't do it in dialogue. Um, I I hate yes. it. Like in an old JRPGs. Uh, or any um, RPG where uh, important gameplay co- uh, concepts are conveyed in the dialogue box. Give me a splash screen, please. Give me a yes. tooltip. Give me an overlay. Uh, I don't want to yeah. have it explained, you know, two lines at a time. No, no, no. Yeah. Absolutely not. Um, I think that's pretty good. I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's get into our responses. Um, we did not get any responses to the Trauma Center. Yeah. Uh, as we mentioned. Um, you know, that's okay, yeah. but it was still fun to talk about. And I think that episode is very fun. 
Agreed. So. Uh, and as always, if you know you listen and you think, oh, dang, I, I should have written in something about that. If you have something to say and you write in like in the next month, I will probably put it on the next uh, dispatch just to just so it gets a uh, gets a say, you know, mm-hmm. I do that uh, if we get if we get something that gets no sale like this. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, we're going to get started with your responses to the Magic Circle. Uh, Gunkle Fungus writes, <laughs> and Gunkle Fungus begins by saying third time writing in, and I feel like Gunkle Fungus did not write in under that nom de plume, because I would remember Gunkle Fungus. Uh, yeah, Gunkle Fungus would be a fixture. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm terrible with names, but I'm great with a Gunkle Fungus. Yeah. Uh, Gunkle Fungus writes in via contact. A longtime fan, third time writing in. I participated in the more creative slash fanfic side of fandom since LiveJournal, and seeing how the Magic Circle handles fandom was perplexing at best. There's a general split in fandom that can be roughly put as two different sides, fan theory-centric, canon-obsessed, and generally male-dominated side, and the creative, more willing to experiment with the canon and generally non-male side. There's a lot of animus, animosity towards fanfic on the first side, which feels like where the creators were coming from. People look down on fan works as being lesser art while being ignorant of what creating fan works and being in the fandom entails. Instead, focusing on yuck, look at them, look at them drawing Batman and Superman kissing, or that's stupid, that never happened in the canon. Even from creators themselves, this attitude is common. Uh, not to say that more creative fandoms can't be toxic and shitty, but it seems like the magic circle isn't even trying to have some insight about it. It assumes that a creative fandom that already hates the creators of the canon would be that obsessive about getting back at him, when in reality they'd most likely be like how the supernatural fandom is now, ignoring the canon, creating their own, and most likely leaving Ish in the dust. Meanwhile, that kind of behavior is a near constant with the fan criticism types. My theory is that uh, it's because when your own pocket of fandom doesn't really accept the creative expression, except in a very narrow vein, when the canon fucks up, you have nothing else to turn to except to being mad at the creator. I feel like the magic circle could have been more successful if it had gone with either one of these ideas or even something else and would have had a more coherent point to make about fandom. As someone who is in a fair few fandoms, it just came off as like, sure, old man. (laughs) Sure, all fanfic writers are crazy harpies. Now let's get back to eating dinner. I hope you all have a nice day. (laughs) This is in the water lately. This is like a, a conflict that has been surfaced a bunch. Yeah. Recently, something has happened. So it's bubbling up to my radar. I'm getting uh, it through Jeremy, who does that show Monster of the Week about Supernatural, who has tweeted specifically the creators of Supernatural have been real shitty to fan fiction, uh, uh, the fan fiction community uh, for, for, for under- that show. My understanding is they have an episode where they make fun of them. Okay. I don't know any more detail than that, but like, right. Uh, you know, my, my understanding, like he was having a talk about this uh, in the Slack and, and as part of that. And stuff. I don't know the whole story mm-hmm. about it. I feel like this is so weird because it's it's like a a, a community. Mm-hmm. You know, th- this is a, the community. This is a, a culture that I have no point of reference with. Um, I, I read that like you know, Jeremy retweeted that thing that thread, and I read mm-hmm. the replies to it, yeah. and people were talking about how Puritan uh, anti people in fan fiction are doing techniques that. Uh, people who groom people for abuse do i i get real my hackles get up when when grooming comes out actually (laughs) i i was just i i again i don't want to say like oh no that's not happening because Uh i don't know but i was just like wow this is fucking that 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 feels like it escalated quickly (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, yeah. it feels like it escalated because I like because I have no point of reference. I have no I have no idea. Yeah, and it, it's also I mean, there's a little bit of self consciousness to me about it because like I'm not I'm somebody who is, doesn't have a lot of time for fan fiction, mm-hmm. and when I read a piece of fan fiction that is like, oh yeah, you know Bowser from uh, Mario Brothers is secretly in love with Tommy from Rugrats, mm-hmm. like I think that's funny. And I, my, my initial instinct is to, to disdain that. Mm-hmm. And somebody, you know, there is an argument. It's like, oh, people write that kind of stuff because they're dealing with trauma. Uh, and it's like, well, you know, I think that probably does happen. Mm-hmm. And there's an argument that it's harmless because it's just writing. And that's definitely true. Yeah. But I also don't use harmful as a metric for something that I think is, you know, yeah, irksome, I guess. I, you know, I have something to... that I... I have to yeah. gauge whether or not somebody is expect, you know, like, you, you know, whether or not somebody is actually expecting me to consume it and enjoy it. Like my respect can extend to live and let live. I think totally, exactly. Yeah, like that. That's literally it. Where it's like, yeah, I, uh, you know, that that's cool. Um, I don't like. I don't want. You know, I am. I'm in I, support <laughs> of non-male uh, fandom spaces. Yeah. You know, in a general sense, while also thinking that like, you know, some of the darker forms of like fan fiction or fan works, I kind of don't feel comfortable with. Like, I'm like, ah, you know, I don't want those people to be harassed. I just want to yeah. not see it. You yeah. know, I, I, I never want to see the, the, the Tommy and Chucky slash fiction. Like, yeah. Just have, you know, that to me, that's kind of squeezy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it, it, I'm not going to go into those spaces and harass those people, but I also, and it's nice cause they don't come to me very often. See, that's the thing. Uh, like that, that's the wonderful thing about the internet. You're not locked in a room with anybody, <laughs> well, <laughs> like, but that's the weird thing about this, this subject is it's been uh-huh. bubbling up so much. Yeah. Um, there's a couple, yeah. there's another way other than the Jeremy thing, but it, I feel like something might've happened in that community mm-hmm. recently to make this kind of a hot topic. Yeah. To put it, uh, to put uh, it in the water. Yeah. Yeah, like it it is it has been bubbling up. Mm-hmm. Um even though I do think, you know, sometimes like I I think that like oh, like Batman and Superman are, are actually in love is you know, I don't know. I don't think it's bad because it's not canon. I just don't see it. Mm-hmm. You know, it it ends up feeling like it's it's just a story about two dudes in love. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't I don't see why it's the source material, I guess. Yeah, like, why not just create your own thing is how kinda, it's related. How I feel about it. Yeah. yeah, and there, I'm sure there's a reasonable answer for why why they would, you know, uh, there's a reasonable answer for why not create your own thing, you know? Yeah. Just like, oh, just I, I want to, I'm cr- I'm creating for people and I'm using these as archetypes more than anything. This is a way for me to, you know, with a, with, with a less heavy lift to get into a kind of story for an audience that I know will, you know, like have the shorthand yeah. of this. Yeah. Well, even even something as simple as like, it's fun. Is, is a good enough answer for me. Like yeah. if someone's just like, yeah, it's more fun for me to write mm-hmm. Batman and Superman kissing than it would be for me to write, yeah. you know, Bruce Dwayne and Clark Pence. <laughs> to like, you know, to, yeah. To guess. Well, you know, if I, if um, I tried it saying the thing that I want to say, changing the names, people would, people would fucking know. And it would yeah. be, it, it would be the, you, you'd, you'd call it fan fiction anyway. So I might as well play in the space that, you know, where generally people are supportive of me for exploring these themes. So yeah, yeah. that's why I'm going to use these it, reasonable weird thing yeah. that I'm, I'm in favor of, but have no interest in. Yeah. Like I, I just, I, I could not have less interest in it. Mm-hmm. That said though, like I totally agree that the magic circle has a really shitty 
you know, kind it of looks, like a confused and shitty outlook on it. It's it's casting a really wide net about fandom in general and confusing a lot of different things here. Uh, yeah. As as Grunkle Fungus uh, says, yeah. sorry, I can't stop laughing at that name. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I think that it is very myopic because it is painting with a broad brush and looking at it almost entirely from, you know, the point of view of a creator of a possessive creator you know yeah and, and, and using up, that as an extension know, of his control freak tendencies yeah totally it ended up not feeling uh the the phrase that i i can't remember if i said this during the episode but mm-hmm. i was thinking about that game after we pl- talked about it and uh it's not very well observed yeah like like there are parts of it that are well observed but uh you know to to gunkle fungus's point um <laughs> the fandom you know, staging this laser pointer hostile takeover mm-hmm. of the property as opposed to just like enjoying, you know, uh, a tag on AO3 uh, does feel very poorly observed. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, like Coda is not a well observed character, but also I think that like, you know, again, neither is Maze. Right. Um, and Ish is only half well observed. Like, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, yeah. it's weirdly. Play, playing with ammo that I don't think it under that that I don't think it uh, is invested in using using uh, uh, yes. properly or respectfully. Yeah. yeah, and even as somebody who is not uh, a, a guns and that kind of ammo, that kind of gun and that kind of ammo enthusiast, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I can see that they're not really doing it well. Yeah, well, it resulted in like a a, we- a weird story or at least weird story beats, and it informed a whole character who didn't land for us. Like it, it, yeah. it, it informed the the thing being not good. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and that and that's that, that that's where it intersects. You know. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm I'm at the point where it just I don't know maybe something shouldn't comment on fanfic um, unless it is uh, willing to acknowledge. Uh, that it is, uh, you know, it is a, it, it is a place where people can get something that they don't get elsewhere. You know, it's yeah. hard. It, 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 it's it, just hard for me to, to reconcile because we run into it, you know, in our, in our uh, quote unquote day jobs, right? Like we'll yeah. be going through abject suffering or something and, and somebody will be like, oh, you know, solid, this is a, a thing about solid snake falling in love with Otacon because it's clear that, you know, mm-hmm. this yeah. is, this is what would happen. It's and I just, theory. I have a gut feeling about it you know that i can't that just puts me away you know keeps me away from it and wants me to live and let live but Mm -hmm. you know it does show up yeah the the circles we're in it's like from time to time i i don't see it but also i'm not attuned to it and also i'm not going to gatekeep you from commenting on this game if you if you do see it that's the other thing that i wanted to talk about like that the males the the male centric you know is this canon or not you know, there's a thing in a lot of spaces where people are going to gatekeep, you know, and take possession of a thing, you know, which is yeah. pretty bad. I don't I, I don't like exclusive behavior very much or I try to be on the lookout for it. So, again, it's one of those things where I think it's fine for an individual. It just it sucks if you're trying to get other people into it. Yeah. Like so many things. That's that's the line. Mm-hmm. You know, like I I generally uh, consume works that are made by you know, that are quote unquote canon mm-hmm. and prefer that there are like mods and things I will check out, but then yeah. I basically think of them as creators. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't care if you don't. Yeah. 
you know, and, and that's, I think that's a good place to be. Like, I don't, no one is trying to get me into <laughs> fan fiction. That's the thing. Nobody's making a yeah. sell. Nobody's judging you for not like, for not engaging with it. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just pops up every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I've got conflicted feelings about it. It's a weird thing. Like there, um, it's like Undertale where it's like something I don't like very much, but I'm culturally in favor of. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, the, the messaging around this, I think is sweet, even if I don't like the project. Like I want there to be a safe space for, for people, non-male people to explore anything they want to, mm-hmm. uh, while also just having absolutely no interest in Batman super, kissing Superman, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, Wonder Woman kissing Superman. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to, to take the, the gay panic angle away from it. Like, I just yes. don't have a, you know, just superheroes shouldn't kiss. <laughs> yeah, t- take it all away. Spider-Man. Get sex out of my media. <laughs> we, we've gotten in trouble want. for that one, too. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but in terms of interest, like, that's what I want. I don't, yeah. I don't really and fan fiction does have a tendency towards mm-hmm. uh being about romantic or sexual subtext and i don't really like romantic or sexual text yeah. i'm not going to get into romantic or sexual subtext yeah I, like if a if a fanfic was just like a cool adventure about a little explored part of a thing but part of property yeah yeah more more uh, more appealing to me yes um joe who was the person who uh requ- who requested this game uh, says mm-hmm. via contact. I'm very interested interested to hear uh, what you think about the Magic Circle, and I thought that I'd share a little background on my experience with the game. Many years ago, I was a games journalist living in London and working on a piece for Eurogamer about a canceled modern day reboot of Thief called Thief Dagger of Ways. I was pulling mainly from a half-completed pitch document that I'd uh, uh, gotten from the University of Texas's video game archive, which is mostly contributions from Warren Spector and Chums. Uh, As part of that research, I spoke to Jordan Thomas, who worked on the project and is the Magic Circle's lead designer and studio founder. Jordan had also created the infamous uh, Cradle, the Shellbridge Cradle level from Thief 3. I interviewed Jordan uh, for about an hour after a short demo of the Magic Circle. The conversation was wide-ranging, going over the details of Thief Dagger of Ways, uh, uh, The Cradle, and other canceled games that he had worked on or knew of in the System Shock and Bioshock franchises. It was fascinating to play the Magic Circle shortly afterwards uh, and see the links uh, to some of those stories expressed uh, in Jordan's design philosophy in that game. Ishmael's character, for example, felt very much like a Ken Levine stand-in, while the Magic Circle's sci-fi area had clear overtones of system shock. I took two main ideas from the Magic Circle. Uh, The first was a feeling that uh, work and play of worth comes from the shop floor, and that creation is a hands-on activity. Ishmael may be the figurehead, but it's the producer, Maze, uh, and the player who actually accomplish things. Ideas uh, on their own have little value. Uh, this came up in my interview too, where Jordan seemed uninterested in the abandoned thief dagger of ways concept because so little, so little actual work, uh, had been done on it. The second, uh, was that game development is a collaborative act, which requires good communication to succeed. The magic circle felt to me like an incredibly personal insight, especially as, uh, the first indie game to come from the studio, uh, from this designer after his experiences on Bioshock. It's a real shame. I think that the magic circle didn't enjoy greater success. And that question hasn't released many more games since 
Jordan Thomas Jordan Thomas is an incredibly gifted designer, and his philosophies about games, uh, which are cataloged by other better writers, uh, and especially in Kieran Gillen's famous piece about the cradle for PC Gamer, are something that I greatly appreciate. Thanks for playing the game, and sorry for the really long message. No need to apologize. Yeah, normally I would cut that down, but that was all interesting and good. You talked to yeah, the person you, who Jim. made the game, and I had no idea about yeah. Thief Dagger of Ways. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, ho- and hopefully, you know, uh, we were a little sour on the game, but hopefully that doesn't make you feel, you know, not mm-hmm. sour on Jordan or anything. Right. Um, you know, uh, that is that is really interesting. Um, I think that, like, both of those themes do come through pretty well. Yeah. In the game, I think it just tries to do a lot of other stuff. Yes. You know, I wish that the game was more focused on those two things because I think those are, are good takeaways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, like the like valuable too, like not yes. like not just you know good things to make a, a you know a work about, but like that is an important thing that people understand about any creative endeavor. You know, yeah. that work <laughs> ideas aren't work; work is work, and that communication is the heart of everything. Yeah, yeah. you know, absolutely. Uh, moving on to Shadow of Mordor thoughts uh sam says via contact made another attempt at getting through this game because i couldn't remember why i quit the first couple times got to the first four stealth mission and then remembered mm. um there aren't very many of those just for what it's worth not trying to convince you to keep going yeah but it, it's it's pretty low on four stealth yeah in my my memory mm-hmm. it's just it's weird uh, i run into this a lot uh doing this kind of assassin's creed pl- playthrough mm-hmm. which i guess that i uh, am unofficially on now because I played like four mm-hmm. of them, uh, <laughs> which is wow! You give me this wide open world and tons of different ways to accomplish stuff, and then you're going to mandate that I do not stray from the prescribed line for this. Okay, yeah, cool. I guess actually, no, it's not cool. That's actually bad. Why'd you make all the stuff if you're not going to let me engage with it <laughs> for this mission? Yeah, yeah, oh, huge bummer. Um, yeah, I'll go ahead and take Ian's as well because you read Joe's long one and Sam's was short. Okay. Um, Ian says via contact, I really enjoyed playing this one, even if the story was some proper noun soup. I was really excited for the follow-up, Shadow of War, since the mechanics were expanded and I loved engaging with the Nemesis system. Unfortunately for me, not really paying attention to the plot of the first game and waiting until Shadow of War was on deep discount meant I had no idea what was happening in the plot. (laughs) In order to let my brain relax a little bit, I turned the in-game voice audio to Japanese, and the cutscenes made more sense to my adult brain because of some bonkers stuff they do with some of the characters. No spoilers. Uh, If you ever do the sequel, I'll love listening in and maybe finding out what happened because I have no idea. (laughs) God, if I if I didn't have divinity like sitting in front of me like a big menacing like buffet that I had to get through, I would mm-hmm. I would be dipping into Shadow of War so hard right now. Welcome to Platinum Corral. <laughs> you ain't leaving, Cole. Uh, <laughs> so so you like engaging quests, huh? <laughs> oh man. Um, unfortunately, Wikipedia synopses have gotten better. <laughs> oh yeah yeah that, that might be my how i do it and stuff yeah. it's been uh in the slack there's been a lot of talk about uh shadow of war and shadow mm-hmm. of mortar since we did the episode yeah um and i have you know it the jury has been very out you know for me like some discouraging things have been said about shadow of war that make me a little hesitant mm-hmm. um so i'm uh it it basically gave me permission to wait yeah no. You know, until I was uh, either more ahead on work or never, or we cover it for the show because, you know. Yeah, the, 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 there is demand even if it's mixed right now. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Colin writes via contact saying, after years of listening and officially one year of patronizing, thank you. Um, I decided it was finally time to play to play a game at the same time as you boys. Shadow of Mordor is a game that I had a lot of fun with, but I think that it suffers for being a AAA game tied to one of the biggest fantasy franchises on the planet. Some of the coolest gaming moments uh, I've had came about organically as I was running around engaging with the world and the systems of Shadow of Mordor. However, because the uh, because of the g- type of game that Shadow of Mordor is, uh, it couldn't let that be enough. Instead, there are a number of characters and quest lines that feel tacked on and unimportant to the singular really cool idea uh, that the game had, but they had to be included because that is what is expected from a game of this pedigree. This is a real bummer because while I spent several hours building my army in the second half of the game, the climax of that effort had to be put on hold so I could go dig around and look for artifacts with Gollum or go hunting with the dwarf. Yeah, not to not to mention going and getting all the translations and mm-hmm. buckets and shit with writing on the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. generally agreed mm-hmm. you know i think that the main story without the the golem and the hunting stuff would be a little bit difficult just because it would be so much shorter but yeah. i would have appreciated something more sandboxy yeah you know make it all one big map introduce the nemesis you know the the training and mind control system a little earlier see the topic of this episode yeah and just have it be a little bit more demanding you know mm-hmm. spend more time in that expressive zone yeah that'd be really cool Agreed. Uh, friend of the show, Doug, says via contact, I'm a longtime fan of Lord of the Rings, the films and the books, but like you, I found that while this game was mostly a mechanical triumph, the story fell flat. For me, the problem was the attempt to be fan service, except Talion's story falls between the far more interesting quests of Bilbo and Frodo, and due to plot constraints, nothing Talion does can really affect the latter. The problem is that the theme of these books is that the big bad isn't really defeated with sword goods, uh, (laughs) but rather with steadfast determination of decent regular people. Good for Sam and Frodo, bad for combat and stealth gameplay. I think the better route would have been to actually use the Silmarillion as a backdrop for a story during the earlier age in Middle-earth. Perhaps the defeat of Morgoth and the rise of Sauron, you nerds, or something like it to allow a plot free of obligation to the main books or films. Perhaps Monolith will be able to revisit this in something based on the upcoming Amazon show. Time will tell. That it will? Yeah. They're making a show? Um, Apparently. I just learned from (laughs) Doug. Uh, the uh i think that uh, the reason why they didn't do that is because of marketing reasons yeah you know like i think that i i, I don't think that's a good excuse for anything marketing doesn't matter to me in terms of a uh, piece of art's quality but mm-hmm. i think the reason they had to th- have some golem they had to have some sauron yeah had to throw yeah. in some some peter jackson bait for you doing something in the second age would be a little bit like having um uh, uh like star wars knights of the old republic like, oh, it's Star Wars, but it's thousands of years before anything that you know and care about happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I had a discussion in the Patreon comments with somebody. Well, it wasn't Doug, uh, but uh, they also kind of just had a response about it, talking about how just how little the game actually reflected the themes of the story, which I agree mm-hmm. with. Like, it's pretty funny that the I'll just repeat my my, my 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 point from that post. It's really funny that the very unsubtle theme of Lord of the Rings is that power is what will destroy the world, regardless of who holds it or what their intention is. 
you know, just like mm-hmm. literally, you know, literally power is the worst force. And Monolith went and made a game where you are literally climbing a pile of bodies to get what you want and amassing yeah. a, a, a powerful army to make it happen. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, see also the meme about uh, mech, you know, shooting over the heads. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the yeah. wow, cool, cool robot, mm-hmm. you know, yes. thing where it's like. Yeah, you can't. It's hard to make a. It's hard to gamify a yeah. lot of these kind of different themes. Yeah, or to go back to Warhammer, like you know, just where it's like somebody says, "Ooh, uh, uh, oh yeah, uh, uh, Space Marines, cool," and the thing that's being lobbed over their heads is fascism bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and there, there's room for both. Yeah, you know, it doesn't it doesn't bother me that much, mm-hmm. uh, except for Fallout seventy six making nukes a fun playground. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when it comes to my house. Um, yeah. What does, uh, what does Eli say? Eli says, this is a good game, but both of you are wrong about the quality of Lord of the Rings. Lucky for you, uh, and probably for everybody listening, that's not what I'm writing in to talk about. I'm here to talk about the PS3 port. Um, I've got something right here. It's not that I dislike Lord oh. of the Rings, buddy. I've got the 4K motion picture trilogy. Here, I ordered that box set because I had some Amazon Fun Bucks. I'm gonna be watching you, those later on. Did you on. get that out to to have handy? When we no, no, it, it literally just arrived oh. today. It, like, okay. it, like I, I, I unwrapped it before we started recording. I, I didn't up, just we, do we that to make props? a point. <laughs> no, I, I didn't. <laughs> Wait up. <laughs> no, I, I, I literally just opened the package. It just got here today. Oh. Uh, but, so anyway uh eli says i'm here to talk about the ps3 port holy shit it was so bad it was 2016 and i was very excited to interact with this nemesis system that i'd read so much about and honestly between that first playthrough and when i eventually played on ps4 i can't honestly point to any noteworthy dips in the nemesis system's inherent quality but the load times oh my god five seconds to load up the world map uh 10 10 seconds to load the nemesis screen this may not sound like a lot uh but hold your breath and count to 10 every time you open the inventory screen in a game uh i'm not normally a big performance guy but my experience with a ps3 port of shadow of mordor is the uh reason i'm absolutely going to be purchasing a ps5 when my funds allow because i cannot allow my experience with resident evil 8 to be anything like my first experience with this actually good game yeah that would be obnoxious yeah, uh, the five-second yeah. load time, I, you know, uh, the first time that I played uh, both Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy V and VI was on those anthology discs on the PS mm. the PlayStation, where because of RAM limitations, they had to, like, load and unload the ROM every time you went into the menu. So I know oh. how those seconds add up. <laughs> yeah. It's also, like, that kind of downporting is, is something that we don't see as much anymore. Right. Uh, do you remember like the DS when there was like a, a shitty DS version of everything? Oh, we did the uh, the Call of Duty Four DS. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like the, the, every everything had to be on a portable version. It was like a a weird Ludum Dare challenge <laughs> thing that very rarely worked out. And then you'd end up with people saying like, "Oh yeah, the isometric Tony Hawks are good mm-hmm. just because they're impressive, right? Even right. though they're unplayable because you can't line yourself up for a rail." <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Or see also um, the uh, the Wii version of Dead Rising, where you have like seven zombies on screen max. Yeah, yeah, which is like the, the big selling point of that game. Uh-huh. Um, and also to clarify, uh, I think Lord of the Rings books are boring. I liked the movies. Yes. 
Um, so, do you have a prop um, to illustrate that? Rewatch. Um, <laughs> those, are those vitamins? <laughs> those are turmeric capsules ah, okay. to cut down on inflammation. Hmm. Uh, Brian says via contact. I spent quite a bit of time trying to figure out how to write a witty response to this game. The combat system is great. I sure wish we could get other kinds of games like this. Wink. Oh, man, I don't remember this storyline from those Batman comics. Wink. Uh, as I was trying and failing to be funny, I realized that while I certainly enjoyed playing Shadow of Mordor, I don't really remember anything about it. The main, char the main character's name is T-something. He's got a dead wife and son. Uh, the nemesis system is cool. T-something is possessed by the ghost of an elf who forgets the rings. You fight the mouth of Sauron, I think. Despite not being able to recall the story, I vividly remember the gameplay. The sword combat, the dagger for stealth kills, you will submit. Uh, climbing ghost towers, riding those huge monsters, warping to ledges. It was just so much fun exploring the world. There's a lot of discourse when Shadow came out about how it was a Batman clone, but at the end of the day, I was excited to see that system be expanded beyond the confines of Gotham City, and I look forward to games like Spider-Man that take uh, such a solid core gameplay experience and enhance it. Yeah. I got uh, Miles Morales waiting for me for when I get uh, caught up on work play. It's really good. I need to finish it. more Spider-Man. Yeah, I got a couple hours in. It's fucking beautiful. Love a Spider-Man. Well, yeah. The the yeah, and I'm, I'm I've got the Latria on the Demon Souls remake as well. So I'm like, basically, my jaws on the floor on a near constant basis. Mm -hmm. now. So yeah. feels good. Uh, feels good. A pretty system. Oh, very. Oh. I just I, I I you know like, and I hate to be like fancy tech guy, but I I'm really happy that I got a 4K TV um to play yeah. this stuff. It's, it makes a difference. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Uh, thanks, everybody. Thank you. For your responses. We appreciate you. Uh, if you are hearing this, um, it is uh, you still have time to write in for April's games. April 15th at duckfeed.tv slash contact. Yes. The those, eyes of April. Those games are uh, Divinity Original Sin 2. We're doing a two-parter uh, two on that one. Uh, mm -hmm. We are also doing Riven, the sequel to Myst, uh, and Ratchet and Clank Into the Nexus. That is a PlayStation 3 ratchet and clank out of the nexus yeah or ratchet and clank what's up with the nexus <laughs> um, uh, and we should talk about what we're doing in may yeah uh may is gonna be fun mm -hmm. um we are doing uh this is actually a month where we're doing two of our own games we are and one patron pick uh just because it kind of worked out this way mm -hmm. um we're starting may with hitman 3 the most recent hitman game uh both of us now have the ability to play it Mm -hmm. Uh, and I've done a couple of the missions and I wanted to leave the rest of it so I could be a little bit fresher, uh, but it's good. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, exceedingly excited mm -hmm. to have a chance to play this. We will have done the whole series, you know, of the, of the reboot at that point. Mm -hmm. and it's nice because I imagine the generalities are largely the same. Yes. Um, you know, so if you're sick of us hearing us talk about Hitman, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's just one week. Um, but I'm excited uh, to play it. Yeah. And, uh, Yeah. Uh, the next game uh, that we're doing after Hitman Three, is, this is this is a Cole pick, uh, Gary. The first Cole vanity pick. Mm -hmm. We are doing Roller Coaster Tycoon, probably Roller yeah. Coaster Tycoon Deluxe. Uh, yeah. Is the version that you can get a hold of most readily on Steam. Uh, Management Sims. It has been a very long time since we've gotten into one of those. I want to build a big, cool theme park and run it well. Yeah, I love Roller Coaster Tycoon. This will be really exciting yeah. uh, to talk about. Uh, good vanity pick. Thank you. Um, this is us us beginning our vanity picks. Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, uh, monthly going back and forth between vanity picks. Um, and then finally, the premium episode for that month, which is not a vanity pick, but it's something we've talked about doing for a long time. We talked about and it on this like, episode. <laughs> talk about it constantly. Yeah. Uh, this is a pick from Ethan uh, here. This is Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. I'm so excited to talk about this game. It is yeah, such a I weird mess. <laughs> it yeah. plays so good. Keep Kojima out of these Metal Gear games. <laughs> like, keep if, him away you know, from his boy. It can be funny when he's not doing it. <laughs> um yeah it is uh funny and fun yeah uh, that game yeah um if we get to that episode and you're gonna start telling me that like the story of Raiden makes you cry and stuff i'm gonna bully you relentlessly i mean there's there's one particular detail uh the 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 details about his cyborgification are like really good body horror and stuff but that is not something that makes me cry or that i take seriously so yeah i get can I, I know 2021 no longer allowing anyone around me to take Metal Gear seriously challenge <laughs> succeeding at it. Um, very excited about that. Um, I wanted to put in a quick note uh, as the, the person who uh, generally corrals these picks mm-hmm. uh, from people. Um, I like to keep people updated on this. Um, we are booked out uh, until kind of August, September now. Yes. Um, so no. Uh, and we also have October basically booked. Or yeah. actually booked. People like when we talk um, about horror games, and so they 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 kind of cram those in. <laughs> so, uh, in terms of what we're going to do, if you know we get a bunch more picks and we're already booking into twenty twenty two and to the mm-hmm. beginning of the year, uh, I don't know. I definitely don't say that to discourage anybody from from patronizing, but um, just Understand know that we have the a big expectations. Yes. Yes. And if something happened, like let's say you know, like that dark question that. Uh, <laughs> incepted into the universe and one of us dies Mm -hmm. uh, and we can't do this thing we would give you your money back yeah yeah so so don't be nervous about that the lead time (laughs) on it just just know and and both of us are generally in okay health so there's not like like i I feel like i might live yeah i got i got no plans (laughs) yeah i got no plans to die yeah so oh yeah so uh just understand uh that's uh that's about where we're at it's a good problem to have but also you know, saves frustration to yeah. people now. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So uh, we'll see you uh, next time, mm-hmm. next week. Yeah. To talk about the first part of Divinity Original Sin 2. Yeah. Probably the uh, uh, generalities, which are going to be pretty beefy, and the uh, the island, uh, island of Fort Joy, mm-hmm. most likely. Yep. Yeah. Uh, probably going to be a long epos. Yes. Um, but are you, are you enjoying your time with that goal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. I am having a good time. It's a it's it it has been tough to leave characters behind is the thing. Even ones I thought would be boring uh, that do not have a uh, even ones I thought would be boring ended up being pretty interesting. And eventually Mm -hmm. you just have to pick who your party is going to be. Uh, So that has been a bummer to me. It's it's made for multiple playthroughs. I'm playing through. I'm maining as Losa Mm -hmm. this time. And previously she was a companion and it's actually a really different experience when you main as her as well. Hmm. Um, so it's, I, this is the first time I've mained as one of the main characters and I'm just like, man, is, would Ibn be really cool? Maybe. If, if you yeah, I mained as him, maybe. Mm-hmm. Fuck. What like, do I do? He looks like it would be boring, but he just, he's from a cool faction. Same thing with yeah, Beast. He's actually really neat. Yeah. It's I, a, yeah, this is, this is weirdly like is ending up in one of my like top five like desert islandy games. Mm-hmm. Because of this fact, like it would be really, it'd be really easy to replay this multiple times and it would be really, uh, interesting. Like they added a randomizer to it. Yeah. Um, you know, you could do self-imposed challenges. Like I think an all archer party in this would actually slap. Mm-hmm. 
Like, I, I think if you did all archers, that would work fine. Yeah. Um, and that's like, it, it, it is, it has that Final Fantasy tactics, like, uh, toy boxy, anything is possible feeling to me. Yeah. So. No, I'm, I'm, I'm maining Fane. Uh, so I'm a very affable uh, weirdo who is on a constant face quest. So. Yes. <laughs> Fane is great. <laughs> so. Love Fane. Fane's good. Um, yeah. It's gonna be really fun to talk about uh, those characters and stuff. Agreed. So, um, yeah. Thanks, everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what to do if you would like to get uh, the premium episodes. Uh, so if you want to hear the full version of Ratchet and Clank or the full version uh, and the full version of Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, become a patron at patreon.com slash TV. The $5 level gets you not just those, but every premium episode we've done. So looking at uh, 2021 here, like if you want Grand Theft Auto Vice City, The Outer Wilds or The Full Shadow of Mordor, spend a lot of time talking about that. Uh, that's the way that you get those. Yeah. Those are all fun episodes, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>